Active FM presents Food for Thought with Pastor Kevin and Pastor Vicky Anston. Let's pray together. I'm going to ask you to repeat after me. Say, Lord Jesus, I ask you to speak to my life, that you administer to my heart. I pray that your word would be revealed to me today so that I can understand it and declare it and do it so that it can change my life. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So the first sermon in the series, a wise man once said, the world is upside down. A wise man once said, the world is upside down. And um, a number of years ago, actually it was at a youth evening, we were doing a series way back in about 2007 for the minor events called The Adventures of Marty Stew. And um, I actually did a sermon on, on, on you know, a talk uh, with, with the minor event on Romans chapter 1. And in that talk, I, I took basically Western society from the 1950s up until that point, which was 2007. At that time, the big issue of the day was gay marriage. And I said it's going to get worse. I spoke about what's today known as transgenderism. I spoke about bestiality. I spoke about sex with children and all sorts of things like that. And so many of the things that I spoke about at that time are happening now because, you know, if you read the Bible... And you put the Bible over what's happening in real life, you'll know what's coming in the future based on what's happening today in terms of what people are doing when it comes to the Word of God. So I want to read, I want you to read with me from Romans chapter 1, verses 21 to 32. But I've decided to take it from the message. Normally we wouldn't read it from the message, but I just really like the way the, the message puts it because it sort of almost like puts it into a newspaper form. You know, like when you're watching the news and they're talking about coronavirus and they're talking about vaccines and they're talking about vaccine hesitancy and they're talking about all the women are getting the vaccines and men are not getting the... You know when they're talking about all of that stuff in the news? Well, the, the message sort of puts this passage in a news type of way and I'm sure most of you are used to listening to the news because even on social media, even on TikTok today, you're listening to the news. Amen? Amen? I mean, most people are listening to the news on TikTok. You know what I'm saying? So the, the, the news just TikToks across the screen there. But um, Romans chapter 1, starting at verse 21, says, What happened was this. So what I said in that talk in 2007 was that what it talks about here in verse 21 probably happened in the 1950s. The church was strong. But what started happening in the academic institutions and the political institutions of the Western world, um, atheism and evolution and all of this became the order of the day. Uh, another term you could use is secularism. And so it starts there. And I, I, I remember in that talk I went through a progression, how things had changed up until 2007, and I said what was going to happen, and, and unfortunately much of what I said has happened because when you look at the Bible and you relate life to the Bible, then generally what you see is going to happen is what happens because God knows what's going to happen. And so it says what happened was this. People knew God perfectly well. In other words, everyone knows about God. Even the atheist knows about God. The Muslim, the Hindu, the Buddha, well, they all know about God. The, the Sangoma, everyone knows about God. So people knew God perfectly well. But they didn't treat him like God. So they didn't treat him like God. So what does that mean? Refusing to worship him. They refused to worship him. What does worship mean? It means you make him your number one. It means you answer to him and him alone. They trivialized themselves into silliness and confusion. So that there was neither sense nor direction left in their lives. If you refuse to worship God, you will be trivializing yourself. You make yourself small. You end up with silliness and confusion being the order of the day. And you end up with no sense of direction. And, and whatever sense of direction people thought they had in January 2020 disappeared in, January, in March 2020. And then in verse 22, they pretended to know it all. Have you noticed with COVID, everyone knows it all. Everyone knows it all. 
everyone knows everything. Everyone knows about the virus. Everyone knows about the vaccine. Everyone knows everything. They pretended to know it all, but were illiterate regarding life. People don't even know where their real problems are. Verse 23 says, They traded the glory of God who holds the whole world in His hands. God, and this is the last two series we've looked at, is this God who's gigantic, who's ginormous, who holds the whole world in His hands. Okay, who created everything, who spoke everything into being. The same God that traded the glory of God who holds the whole world in His hands for cheap figurines you can buy at any roadside stand. In other words, you buy your God. So God said in effect, if that's what you want, that's what you get. And I want to warn you, God does say that. He says, I gave my son for you on the cross of Calvary. I gave everything for you. I gave you life. I have good plans for you. But if that's what you want, that's what you get. And then it goes on and it says, it wasn't long before they were living in a pig pen, smeared with filth, filthy inside and out. And all this because they traded the true God for a fake God. And they worshipped the God they made instead of the God who made them. The God we bless, the God who blesses us. Oh yes, worse followed. Refusing to know God, they soon didn't know how to be human either. Women didn't know how to be women. Men didn't know how to be men. This is where we are. Sexually confused. They abused and defiled one another. Women with women, men with men. All lust, no love. Then they paid for it. Oh, how they paid for it. Emptied of God and love. Godlessness and loveless wretches. Now a wretch means you get to a place which is the worst of the worst. In verse 28 says, since they didn't bother to acknowledge God, God quit bothering them and let them run loose. If you don't bother about God, God's going to quit bothering you. He's no longer going to come and knock on your door. He's no longer going to come and whisper in your ear. He's no longer going to come and tap you on the shoulder. He's going to let you run loose. If you want to run loose, He lets you run loose. And verse 29 says, the moment they ran loose, and then all hell broke loose. Rampant evil, grabbing and grasping, vicious backstabbing. They made life hell on earth with their, with their envy, wanton killing, bickering and cheating. Look at them, mean-spirited, venomous, fork-tongued God-bashers, bullies, swaggerers, insufferable windbags. In other words, an insufferable windbag is someone they talk the biggest load of hogwash and they talk about it in a way like they know everything and they sound very sophisticated while they say it. Oh, they're so wise. They keep inventing new ways of wrecking their lives. They ditch their parents when they get in the way. Stupid, slimy, cruel, cold-blooded. And it's not as if they don't know better. They know perfectly well they're spitting on God's face. And they don't care. Worse, they hand out prizes to those who do the worst things best. This passage talks about the fall of a society. We see our world in this passage. And this passage, close on 20 years ago, I heard a sermon about this passage and I went and studied this passage and I've been a student of history for a long time and I studied this passage and I studied the world and I've seen the fall of the world and I've been able to predict what's coming because of this passage. And this passage talks about how a society crumbles, how a world can crumble, and it starts in a place we do not expect. You know, when you hear people talking about what's wrong in South Africa, 
When you hear people talking about what's wrong in the church, when you hear people talking about what's wrong in all sorts of things, what's wrong with the white people, what's wrong with the black people, what's wrong with the colored people, what's wrong with the Indian people, the Chinese, whoever. When people talk about all the problems, they never talk about where the problem actually starts. When people complain about their husbands or their wives or their children or their parents or their brothers or their sisters or their cousins or their aunties or their uncles or their nephews or their nieces or whoever they want to complain about, they never start in the place where the Bible says it starts. The first mistake, people fall into a state of unbelief. Now I want you to understand that something I've mentioned in the recent weeks, unbelief is not doubt. Unbelief is when you say, I'm not going to believe in God. You say, God, I'm cutting you off from my existence. God, I'm living without you. I don't need you. I have control. I can make everything myself. Romans 1, 21 and 22. What happened was this. People knew God perfectly well, but when they didn't treat Him like God, refusing to worship Him, they trivialized themselves into silliness and confusion so that there was neither sense nor direction left in their lives. They pretended to know it all, but were illiterate regarding life. Everyone knows God. I mean, I'm, I'm sorry. You know, people who come and they spend millions of dollars trying to believe that all the life that exists on this planet came by accident. Came by the sun shining on a rock with some water, and then there was this chemical whatever that happened, and, and then there was this primordial soup, and, and out of this you had amino acids and all sorts of things going on, and proteins, and bam, there was the first single cellular organism that just came about one day. Inorganic matter becomes organic matter. I, I don't really believe even those who are professors and do dissertations and, and, and do a thesis and, and do all these sorts of things. I don't believe they really believe that. Everyone knows God. But they don't treat Him like God. They treat Him like He doesn't exist. And people like this refuse to worship God. And when people reject God, they trivialize themselves. Now, we're living in a society that does this. Our society trivializes God. The government stood up and said that we're locking down only essential services allowed. Church was not an essential service. Church is a social gathering. That's trivializing God. And what did the country with 80% of the people who are Christians do? Yeah, you're right. Church is a social gathering. And so the problem we're sitting in right now starts at the door of the church. Which means it starts with us. It's no use us going out and saying, yeah, the church, the church, the church. No, no, it's me. I'm trivializing God. Because if I stop trivializing God, if I live like he's real, if I live like he's something, I'm going to affect other people. And what is the result of trivializing God? It results in a life of silliness and confusion. In other words, your wisdom is silly. And therefore, there is no sense of direction in life. And when there's no sense of direction in life, it means people are living without purpose. And people living without purpose are living without hope. And then we end up in today's world where everyone pretends to know it all, but in the meantime, they just typed on Google to get the answer. Listen, I can come here and I can every single week preach. And while I'm preaching, I can sound like the most ferociously intelligent scientist in the whole world. I could make all of you believe that I know rockets, uh, you know, the, the engineering of rockets inside and out. All I have to do is have some facts. And I, and I come here and I speak those facts out and I make sure no one asks me any questions. And all of these experts you're watching on TV, whether it be this or that or the next thing, they never get questioned. Why? Because they got it on Google. He's a professor of so-and-so. Okay, he's a leading researcher in such and such. Whatever. He's a scholar in this and that. No, Google, and now he comes and he, and he learns it. And then he comes and he speaks. And, and, no one asks, and if someone asks questions, it's, it's questions that you know, any fool can answer. 
And this is the world we live in. This is what most of us are like. And so we pretend to know it all, but we just Google to get the answer. And so while we sound sophisticated, we know the stocks on the stock exchange, or we know the streets, we know maybe we know the street life, we're illiterate regarding life. And you go into our homes and our families a mess. It's a total disaster. They're in our home with the people that know us the best. We hate each other. And so people are pretending to be wise, but they don't know how to live life. And so as a result of that, life hurts them. And they're in pain. And then people do things they never thought they'd do. Romans 1 verse 26 says, Worse followed. Refusing to know God, they soon didn't know how to be human either. Women didn't know how to be women. Men didn't know how to be men. Now, our Creator is Father God. He is the very source of our life. We are made male and female. We are made in His image. Every one of us is made in the very image of Almighty God. And we've been made for a relationship with Him. Listen, when, when you think there's something missing, if God isn't feeling that something missing, you have got something missing. And that is one of the things that you were created for, to be in a relationship with Him for all of eternity. But when we refuse to know God, we soon lose the ability to know how to be human. And that's just the reality of it all. I mean, think about our world today. Women don't know how to be women. No, no offense, I was actually watching a video a few weeks ago. I couldn't believe it. There's this man and his wife, they, they get married, right? And they have a baby. And now after having the baby, they decide, no, no, the wife's now the man. And the man's now the wife. And they, they, they put a video, it was a TikTok video that I saw. And there's the oak, got some sort of breast implants or something. And this baby is suckling the nipples of the transgender mother. And that's like normal. In the world we live in, that's normal. I mean, first of all, I don't want to watch a video of you breastfeeding. No offense. It's important. I know that. But why do I have to watch? You know what I'm saying? It's like, I, don't, I wouldn't want to see a video of you going to the toilet. Same thing. Okay. I'm sorry if that offends you, but your toilet habits are none of my concern. And the thing is, at the end of the day, people are in this state, and they're unhappy for all sorts of reasons, but people are unhappy because they're unhappy with themselves. And so, because they're unhappy with themselves, they're searching for a change. And I'm not talking about any specific thing. You, You know, most people are not happy where they're at. Most people are not happy with their lives. Most people are searching for a change. And they try and change where they live. They try and change where they live. They try and work on their own bodies. They, they try and change their income. They try and change this. They try and change that. Maybe they go for some surgery to, to make their face look more like what they think it should look like. But while they're making many changes, they change in all the wrong places. The only change that is needed is a return to God. But we'll talk more about that next week. But what I want to move on to today is that finally, when all of this stuff has gone down and people are unhappy and they keep trying to change and they want to change everything, finally everything falls apart in an upside down world. And just listen to Romans 1, 29 to 32. And I, you know, sometimes you read it in the New King James or the NIV, you don't really get what those verses are saying. But in this passage, for me, the message just sort of explodes it out there. It says, and then all hell broke loose. Rampant evil, grabbing and grasping, vicious backstabbing. I mean, who can people trust today? They made life hell on earth. So so they made life hell on earth with their envy, wanton killing, bickering and cheating. Doesn't that sound like South Africa today? Look at them. Mean-spirited, venomous, fork-tongued God bashers. Most people are mean today. Most people don't give two hoots about anyone else. They are bullies. 
In other words, they manipulate, they squash, they stand on anyone they can. They are swaggers, insufferable windbags. Everyone's got so much to say. Just listen to 702. 702 is a talk radio station, so people phone in and talk. Everyone knows everything. They keep inventing new ways of wrecking lives. I mean, sometimes you sit there and you just look at the lives of people and you wonder, how, how did you get here? How, how did you get to this place? They ditch their parents when they get in the way. And I suppose, yeah, in South Africa you could add they ditch their kids when they get in the way. Stupid, slimy, cruel, cold-blooded. Cold and, and it's not as if they don't know better. People know better. I mean, when we, we have a high murder rate. And uh, at the end of the day, when one person kills another person, surely they know what they're doing is wrong. And if we had as many people dying of COVID as what are dying of murder, I'd be concerned. They know perfectly well they're spitting in God's face. And they don't care. Worse, they hand out prizes to those who do the worst things the best. And so we live in a world that looks like this today. You know, in our nation, there's legislation being promulgated and a curriculum that has been established which is supposed to go into schools called CSE, Comprehensive Sexual, uh, Sexual Education. The Minister of um, Basic Education was trying to push it. There was some pushback, so they held it back a bit. When you look at that curriculum, it is some of the most evil things under the sun. Teaching kids how to, you know, you, you're not male or female. That's a big part of what they're teaching. And there's another, there's another bill that they're trying to pass right now. There's a bill that they passed some time ago called Peputa, which is supposed to be against discrimination. And now they've got the Peputa Amendment Bill, which says, for example, one of the things it says, so if I discriminate or if anyone who's a part of the active church discriminates, by the way, I can, if you discriminate, they can come after me because I'm your pastor. So there's this hectic standard about discrimination. Oh, yeah, but the government's allowed to discriminate. Literally, it says so in the bill. And they've got this thing called the Human Rights Commission, which is supposed to sort out when people's rights are being abused. And many people in our nation's rights are being abused, and they do nothing for them. But they're used as a vehicle to go after the church in the name of human rights. And then there's abortion. I'm telling you now, we are killing far more people in the abortion laboratories or whatever you want to call them than what COVID's killing. And people just don't care. And we, the church, mostly say nothing. I mean, each one of us in our individual capacities, we mostly say nothing. But at the same time, we like to complain about how we're abused and how we're discriminated against. I don't know if you noticed, but everyone's discriminated against, if you listen to them. I mean, I'm confused. The coloreds are the most discriminated against. Until you have the white guy, then they're the most discriminated against. Then you have the black guy, then they're the most discriminated against. Then you have the Indian and all, you know. Then they're the most discriminated against. Because no one likes their cheap veggies anymore. Okay? Everyone is the most discriminated against. So we're all complaining, we're all feeling sorry for ourselves, but we're silent on the plight of the unborn. And so, this is not just in South Africa, our world has blood on our hands. You know, we talk about the people from ages gone past, as if they are um, these primitive people and we're so sophisticated. But, but look how many people we're killing in the name of convenience. And you know who bears the brunt of this? Very often it's girls who felt they just had no other option. And so they did it. And so they bear the price. Everyone else continues and pretends like it's not happening. But, but that, that girl who felt she had no other option and goes and does this thing, she pays for that with the rest of her life. You know, there, there are actually studies out that 
a woman who's had an abortion is, is, has got a far higher risk of getting breast cancer. No one tells them that before they go for the abortion. This is a long-standing thing. And, 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 you know, even in our society, the girls keep quiet if they've had an abortion. Number one, there is a stigma. I mean, we say we're so liberal and we're so progressive, but, but, but if that girl's had an abortion, there's a stigma. She's looked down on if people find out. But on the other hand, there's something inside of her that says, hey, this is a problem. So she pays. The doctor who does it gets paid. Oh, he's driving a fancy car. And the rest of us, I oh, know it's not happening. There's bigger issues, education. I mean, other people are dying, but these ones are not getting educated. Stuff those ones, let's go for the education. Guys, it's a messed up world. And, and, then, and then it gets worse. We hate it when our leaders lie to us. Eh? Yo, 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 yo. I mean, if you were listening to 702 again, because I was listening. Yo, people had so much to say about President Solomon Pauza's testimony before the Zondo Commission on State Capture. Oh, he's terrible, he's this, he's that. Oh, he's guilty, he's state captured himself. And what a, what a, what a, comment, comment, comment. And every now and then, oh, I think we must defend him and, and all of that kind of stuff. And, 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 and you know, people are upset because they're saying he's lying. But, you know, our leaders lie because the people lie because if the people didn't lie, the leaders wouldn't get away with it. Uh, why, why are we so upset when our leaders lie when you look at how, on average, we as a people lie? And, and the reality is, so all these lies are being told, and we're living in a time when people are inventing ways of wrecking their lives. And, 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 and really, sometimes I'm amazed when, when I sit there and I, I listen to certain situations and things that are going on in people's lives and how people find ways to smash their lives to pieces. And here's what the Bible says, when God goes out of our lives, then mercy goes with him. And this makes us, as this message passage says, makes us cold-hearted. We're people who know perfectly well what's right. But we don't care. And we know we're spitting on God's face, but we just don't care. And looking at the award ceremonies, you know, you get a lot of these award ceremonies. And you get these celebrities and, and they all... <laughs> they all tell the world how great they are. And prizes are handed those to, the, uh, to those people who do the worst of things the best. Have you noticed that? They dress the worst, they act the worst, they whatever. And that's what our world celebrates today. So, so this is where we are, and, and the Bible says all of this happened because they traded the true God for a fake God. You know, all you have to do to get into a place like this is to trade the true God for the fake God of money. All you have to do to end up like this is to, tra to trade the true God for the fake God of fame. And when you're doing that, you end up worshipping a God you made <laughs> instead of the God who made you. And who is this God that made you? He's the God we bless and is the God who blesses us. So looking at this now, okay, things are pretty bad. But the question then is, so where's the hope? Where's the hope? Well, firstly, understand that the, the spirit of Antichrist has always been here. You know, when the New Testament was being written, we were warned that the spirit of Antichrist is already in the world. This is like 2,000 years ago. So what we're going through today, let me tell you, let me promise you, it's nothing new. The only thing that's new is technology. So it's always been there. And if you look at the mess the world is in now, it's always been this way. And still many times in the last 2,000 years, things have been a lot worse than what they are now. If you don't believe me, just go and do some reading about the dark ages. Go find out why they were dark. Eh? Evil reigned, and there was no advancement. 
You know, whenever, when, when, whenever evil reigns, there's no advancement. So, so, so in other words, we're, we're living in something that, that, that's always been there. And, and we, we, we so often like to feel sorry for ourselves. And I mean, there's some terrible things happening in the hospitals. There are. But, my goodness. Imagine if you were born in 1905. When you were nine, World War I started. Maybe your father died. Oh, phew, 1918 comes. The war to end all wars, as they called it at that stage. It was known as the Great War. And now you get on, you're living your life, you get into the roaring 20s, everything's fantastic. Boom, the 30s come, Great Depression. Now you've got to have food rations. Everyone's poor. People are starving. And then this guy named Hitler comes along. And while Hitler's going, everyone's carrying on with their lives, you know, just trying to survive because we're just trying to survive. We locked down, whatever, in the 30s with the uh, Great Depression. And bam, next thing there's a Second World War. So now we're fighting in the Second World War. Bam, our brother gets killed. We come out of the Second World War. There's less men than women because so many men were killed in that war. And now the world has to be rebuilt. Imagine being that person. Born in 1905, you saw two world wars. So that's the first thing. It's not like it's anything new that we're in today. And secondly, God is still on the throne. He was on the throne in the First World War. He was on the throne in the Second World War. He was on the throne when the Spanish flu came and the Spanish flu went. He's, he was on the throne when, when COVID-19 came. He will be on the throne when COVID-19 leaves. He will be on the throne. COVID-19 has not taken God off the throne. And so, how do we get to the hope? How do we get to the hope? And I, I just want to touch on what we've been speaking about the last four weeks. Miracles. Miracles. Testimonies of supernatural miracles that Jesus has done. And maybe you're watching this and you need a miracle. Maybe you've been told, you know what, at the end of the day, cancer, but three months, it's over. Maybe it's something that bad that you've been told. Maybe you're fighting an illness right now. Maybe you're fighting COVID-19 right now. Maybe you have a loved one that is this close from eternity. How do you find hope and how do you conquer the miracle? Because in order to have a testament, you need to conquer the miracle. And I want to tell you, God wants to work with you. And it's something that we've taught before. Four steps to a miracle. The first one is, you've got to know the promise. Isaiah 63 verse 9a says, in all their affliction, he was afflicted. So, in all their affliction, he was afflicted. So, so Jesus' body was broken. Jesus' body was destroyed at Calvary, so that when we're sick, we can come before him we can have communion we can break the bread and we can have the exchange our broken body now we exchange for the brokenness of his body and he gives us the whole resurrected body in other words he heals us we claim the promise from his word that by his stripes we are healed the first step to conquering a miracle is you've got to know what is the promise from the word because the word has a promise what is the promise from the word when it comes to your healing the word gives you promises it's in isaiah and the apostle peter quoted it in his letters as well by his stripes we are healed by the whip marks on his back we are redeemed from illness from sickness and we have to declare that promise but before we can declare it we have to know it what is the promise the second step is visualization. 1 Corinthians 2 verse 9 and 10. But just as it is written, things which the eye has not seen nor ear has heard and which have not entered in, into the heart of men, all that God has prepared for those who love Him, for, God, for, for to us God revealed them through the Spirit. For the Spirit searches all things, even the depths of God. So, so there's the promise. 
There are things that our eyes have not seen. There are things that our ears have not heard. There are things that have not even entered into our hearts that God has prepared for those who love Him. Do you love God, Active Church? Do you love God, Active Church? Come on, I want to hear every one of you. Those of you watching online, I want you to type it in. Do you hear God, Active Church? Amen. Amen. Well, then there's a promise for you. God has prepared things for you. You can't even imagine. You haven't even heard about. It's never even entered into your heart. It's too good to be true. So you've got to then see. You see that person healed. You see yourself healed. You, you see whatever the promise is, whatever it is that you're believing for. You've got to see it in here. There's the promise and you see it fulfilled. There's the promise and you see it fulfilled. There's the promise and you see it fulfilled. Long before it happens. So the promise, visualization. See, there's the promise, see it fulfilled. The third step is confession. Romans 10.10. 10. For it is, it is with the heart a person believes, resulting in righteousness. With the mouth he confesses, resulting in, self, in salvation. Now I start speaking it. I start speaking it. I start declaring the promise of God. If it's for illness, by stripes we are healed. If it's for finances, we, 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 we quote the promise that God will not let his own beg for bread. We declare it. Yeah, but it doesn't look like that. It doesn't matter. We declare it. We declare it. No, we're not denying the current circumstances. Okay? Admitting that things are, are, are challenging in an area of life or all areas of life, that, that's not denial. We don't say, ah, oh, that's not happening. I mean, you don't have a big tumor here that's about to kill you. You know, hanging out, everyone can see the tumor and you say, I'm not sick. I also think, yo, that tumor's on your brain already. No, you're confessing, I believe I have the healing. This tumor is going to go. That's a confession. So when you believe it results in righteousness, but when you confess, that results in salvation. In other words, you know, to be saved, to get to heaven, you've got to confess Jesus. You've got to confess His work on the cross. You've got to confess that God raised Him from the dead. You've got to confess that your sins have been washed away by the blood of Jesus. You've got to say it. You got to say it. Salvation comes with saying it. And then the fourth step is perseverance. Matthew 24, 13, Jesus himself said, But the one who endures to the end, he will be saved. The one who endures to the end, he will be saved. Right now, you should be saying, Wow. So, first, I've got to. No, the promise. It's the promise, right? Then I've got to see it fulfilled. Then I've got to confess the promise and confess the, the, the word over that situation, backing this up. And, I, and every day I confess until I have this assurance given to me supernaturally by the Holy Spirit in the depths of my soul that this is done. And then you persevere. You persevere to the end. Yeah, you will be tempted to give up. Trust me, you will be tempted to give up. But you persevere. And we've been lazy to do that. As Christians, let's be honest, all of us, we've been lazy to do that. And so the challenges we read in a passage like Romans 1, it's because we're lazy to do this. We, we, we don't want to get down, roll up our sleeves, and get stuck into a spiritual battle. And this is what the Lord's calling us to. A wise man once said that we are living in a world that is upside down. A wise man also says that, hey, at any time you can return to God. At any time you can return to the Lord. At any time, any second, he can switch the situation around. At any time. 
And I hope you've taken the note. So it's the promise. It's the promise. Jesus bore your sickness on his body. Jesus was punished for all your rebellion and all your sin. He was whipped for it. And the blood flowed from his back. And by that blood that flowed from his back when he was whipped, you are redeemed. That's the promise. You visualize, I'm healed. You visualize whatever we desperately need paid for is paid for. If you start visualizing stuff that's not in the will of God, though, you've got an issue. Then God has no, um, he's no obligation to fulfill that. So you've got to know the promise. Then you visualize. Then you confess it. And you're confessing scripture over that thing the whole time. Know the promises. Confess them. Let them flow out of your mouth. And persevere until it happens. And you know, when you go and you look at the letters that were written to the seven churches in the book of Revelation, what is the constant theme that you find that's coming out of those messages? In Revelation 1 and Revelation 2. What constantly comes out is that those who persevere till the end will be saved. Where do you stand with the Lord today? I'm, I'm not even asking just if once upon a time you gave your life to Jesus. Where do you stand with the Lord today? Have you quit? Have you been thinking of quitting? Because the Lord's calling on you to persevere to the end. And those who persevere to the end will be victorious. <clears throat> that means you persevere and you trust God no matter how things look. Again, Romans 10 verse 8 to 9. But what does it say? The word is near you, in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith we preach. That if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. There, it's as simple as that. How hard is it to get saved? It's very easy. What do you have to do? Well, this word is, is near you. It's, it's in your ears right now. You're in the sermon, so the word of faith is there. It's available right now because you can hear it. It's available. And it's in your mouth and in your heart. That's, that's where the faith is. Understand, you get saved by what's in your heart and what's in your mouth. And what's in your mouth, we're not talking about the food you eat. It's the words that come out of your mouth. What words are coming out of your mouth? When you listen to words that come out of your mouth, do they indicate to you maybe you need to get to God and get saved? You know, what you speak about says a lot. Your eternal destiny is at stake. Do you know for a fact that if you were to die today, that, and, and you were to pass into glory, that you would see God? Do you know that for a fact? Do you know that there's no sin that's too big to separate you from God? If you will just humble yourself, if you will just sort out your pride, if you will just come to Him, He will save you. Do you know that? Do you know that Jesus has a purpose for you? If you feel you're leading a, a purposeless life with no rudder, Jesus says, come to me. By the blood I shed on the cross of Calvary, I will give you an eternal purpose. And maybe God's been speaking to you today. But uh, you're thinking, oh, I'll do this later. You, you, you don't know if you'll have later. Some of you, God is speaking to you right now. The Holy Spirit has been touching you as you've been listening to the service right now. And God is saying to you in this very moment, this is the day of your salvation. This is the time for you to get saved. If you don't give your life right now, you never will. Something will shut down in your mind. You may live for another 60 years. But if you don't give your life right now, you never will. And so understand that your eternal destiny is at stake today. I cannot stress that strongly enough. And what I'm presenting, I want you to see it in front of you right now as an altar. 
an altar that you're coming in front of. And the, the altar sanctifies everything, which means it puts you in a position where you can serve God. He's made you good enough to serve Him. It justifies everything. And what does it mean if you're justified? It means you're made just, which means God sees you as though you've never sinned. That's available to you right now. And I'm going to ask you to close your eyes right where you're sitting. If you're here at one of the sites, if you need to give your life to Jesus, or maybe you're needing to recommit your life to Jesus, then in a moment I'm going to ask you to, to raise your hand. And Jesus is speaking to you and he's saying, listen, don't ignore me. If you're sitting at home or you're listening on the audio, then um, please send us an email if you're giving your life to info@activechurch.org. That's info@activechurch.org, And put in there, I'm giving my life and give us a contact number so we can get in contact with you. And so right now, send that email. If you yell at, or at one of the sites, just raise your hands. Hands have gone up. If there's anyone else, you either need to give your life to Jesus for the first time or recommit your life to Jesus. Just raise your hands right now. If you're at one of the sites, if you're one of the site leaders, please make sure that you give the slip to, to your people. One last time, is anyone else? A lot of hands have gone up. Now I want everyone to picture this. I want you to picture what you're saying to God when you, when you raise your hand or you send that email. So you can also comment yeah, on, this, <coughs> you know, on this service. If you comment on the service, we'll pick it up. We'll contact you. But what you're saying to God right now is that this is the time, Lord. Lord, I've heard you speak to me in the service, and I want to commit to you right now. I want to, I want to submit my life completely to you right now because I've been trying to do it my way my whole life, and I've realized it hasn't worked out too well, and I can't wait until later because I don't know if I'm going to make it. So, Lord, I want to do it right now. I want to commit to you right now. And I'm committing to you, Lord, because I do not want to live eternity far from you. Lord, from today I want to live close to you. I want to live close to you, Lord, so that when my turn comes and death comes knocking on my door, I want to know that I'm ready. Because I want to know that you're walking with me and that you'll be walking with me through that doorway into eternity. That's what you're saying. You're saying, Lord, I believe you're going to be with me forever. So right now I'm going to ask you to put your right hand on your heart. Everyone do that. Put your right hand on the heart and I want you to visualize Jesus. And remember him dying on the cross for you. See the blood being shed off of him. Beneath the cross you see your sin. Records that cannot be destroyed, they mark you for eternity. But as the blood of Jesus hits them, they are destroyed. What you cannot do, you cannot erase the record. The blood of Jesus is doing right now. I want you to see that the record of your sin is being destroyed right now. And I want you to remember that that Jesus who you're seeing being crucified, you're seeing him right now. But that same Jesus now is the same now as he was 2,000 years ago when he died for your sin. The Bible says that he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And his blood is removing all your sin. It's washing it away right now. And that work that he did on the cross stands once and for all. Your sins are being washed away because he's paid the price for your sin. The debt you have with God is being destroyed. It's being paid right now by your faith in what Jesus did. Now we're going to pray. I'm going to ask you to repeat after me with your hand on your heart. Say, Lord Jesus, today I recognize I'm a sinner. I repent of everything I've done wrong. And I renounce my life of sin. I accept your sacrifice. And I know that it was the price you paid for my redemption. And today, Lord, I apply the blood of your wounded body. And I ask you to wash me with that blood of all rebellion, of all sin. I ask that you set me free from any sickness and any pain 
I accept that my debt has been paid. I accept that there is no outstanding balance. That everything you paid for me on the cross of Calvary. I accept that by your blood I'm justified. And you see me as though I've never sinned. And by your blood I'm sanctified. Which means I can serve you. And you want me to serve you. And Jesus I want to serve you. So I open the door of my heart. I invite you to come in as my Lord and Savior. And I thank you for saving me right now. And giving me eternal life. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Fears begin to fade, my faith explodes right